Welcome to the CX Spotlight. The following is a brief excerpt from our recent webinar, the 2021 APAC CX Maturity Report. In this episode, Dr. Steve Nuttall talks the CX Maturity Model with Amelia Diggle, Service Design Lead at Verizon Connect, and Matthew Wells, Global Solutions Executive at Verizon. So, research overview, just in terms of how we did this and who we spoke to, as I said, you know, this is APAC wide. We had 200 in Australia, 100 in New Zealand, um, which is a good sample for New Zealand, uh, and 100 based out of Singapore, but with regional um, responsibility. So really kind of have those organizations having a, mostly a responsibility for different countries across Southeast Asia. At 404 CX decision makers in, in total, if any of you in the audience took part, Thank you very much. What it did mean is that we've got a good cross-section there in terms of business size. So, you know, 40% of our sample employs at least 1,000 people. And, and to qualify, um, you had to have 100 people. So we're not really looking at customer experience in terms of small and the kind of smaller part of medium-sized organizations. This is very much, you know, large and, and, and enterprise-based organizations. We're kind of mixed there in terms of services, some manufacturing and production. Obviously, we've got a good, good cross-section of retail. Government, which has kind of been combined with the education and health sector to give us a decent subsample there. And then we've got distribution and financial services. And kind of all of that means that, you know, within the report, where possible, we can dive into this and to see how things fall out by industry and see which uh, industry sectors are more mature than others. And it really gives organisations an opportunity because we use this as a benchmarking tool so that when we go in and we do a detailed diagnostic with an individual client, we'll use this model to then compare how the client's performing relative to their immediate peer group, as well as their broader market in whichever country they operate. So that having those bigger samples for industry is really important to be able to do that individual diagnostic and, and, and benchmarking. And, and the model itself, there are five key components to the model and really kind of each one is of, is of equal weight. So you've got strategy and leadership, insights and analytics, teams and people, technology and, 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 and measurement. So ultimately, um, you know, it's about, you know, do you have you know, an active and committed leadership? You know, are you fully making use of customer journey mapping tools, customer personas? Um, are you, have you got the right KPIs in place? Are you people enabled? And have you, and, and have you deployed the right technology that supports your people and allows your customers to interact with your organization? So it's a, it's a comprehensive model. And then when we combine and take all of those different elements, and there's something like 16 separate questions that underpin all of those five areas, what we then do is bring that together to give every respondent a score maximum score of 100 and we set the bar at 85 for a, a leader and then 75 to 84 for a progressive 65 to 74 for a follower and if you're below 65 you're a laggard and in some ways that kind of reflects distributions of scores that you would see on a net promoter score type model i mean if you're kind of six and below on nps then you're a detractor so kind of applying the same kind of principles and thinking you know, 65 and below 60 below 65 uh, means you're a laggard. And again, you know, so across the region, um, you know, again, it's encouraging that we've got, you know, 24% of organizations that are leaders, but, you know, equally, you know, there's still a, a, a large number of organizations that are quite a way off where those leaders are at. 
And, and again, you know, the report clearly gives some level of detail there that the gap is growing between leaders and laggards. And, you know, Matt and, and Amelia, that's something that we were identifying last year, I think, during our you know, podcast series, that the gap is growing between, between those two. And we're seeing that gap continuing to grow. Yeah, exactly. And it speaks to sort of not just businesses, but their customers as well. Like we're starting to see quite a, a you know, two key buckets of, of customers, those that are kind of moving with the times and really comfortable with technology and kind of want businesses to get out of the way um, and just give them the technology. Whereas there's still that bucket of customers that need the hand holding. So it's the same with businesses really seeing that gap. So, as I said, you know, we did this a year ago in Australia, so now we can track Australia. And, and, and what's interesting here is that, you know, you can see that the level of maturity has actually increased in Australia. So the green curve is, is 2020, and those numbers in brackets there tell us that a year ago we had 18% of Australian organisations classified as leaders. So that's risen 5%, and it's still the same number of laggards, but it's really encouraging, you know, to have seen that. Um, improvement in Australia. I think the events of last year forced that upon many organisations to actually, you know, move to the right, so to speak, and you know, and and be able to, yeah, be able to do those projects that they, or maybe considering, you know, a few years ago and thinking we'll do a, you know, we'll do a twelve-month business case, and then we'll do a, you know, a twelve-month deployment or even longer. They didn't have that luxury, um, you know, last year. So this time last year or earlier, they they, they had to make decisions very quickly and execute. Um, you know, in timeframes that were, were not normal. You know, so I think a lot of that would have brought on maturity, particularly, you know, there would have been, in a, you know, going back 12 months, the place that they would have been in and the, I guess, the, the level of customer satisfaction would have been at such a low point that they, they had to do something dramatic to, you know, to yeah. get themselves in a better place. So I think combined with that too, and certainly we can talk about this later, but the, the um, you know, the rapid move to cloud platforms, um, not everybody yeah. did it, as, as we found out, but many did. And uh, I think that enabled, um, even though technology isn't always the answer, and we, we've spoken about that a lot, but I think that uh, that gave them a lot more choices that they didn't have previously. Uh, so that certainly helped, you know, enable the maturity. It didn't guarantee it, but it certainly helped them get there. Amelia, let's look at New Zealand. So fewer laggards in New Zealand. They've only got 16% there. We're just ahead of the curve down here. <laughs> As always. <laughs> Something in the water. Yep. <laughs> no, it's good. I think um, Kiwis are sort of maybe a little bit nimbler, smaller, as much as I probably don't want to admit it, but I think we were probably able to pivot and it's kind of in our nature in New Zealand, that whole number eight wire, you know, get in there and figure it out. And I think we, we've done that over the last couple of years, you know, hearing from Peers and other businesses, there's been some tough decisions made, but I think they've benefited the country um, and, and, and our communities as well. So brave decision times over the last couple of years. Thanks. Well, yeah. when we head up to Singapore, you know, you can see that Singapore is very different. Not many laggards, but a large chunk of followers there. Why do you think that's the case, Matt? Yeah, look, I think that represents perhaps some humility on behalf of the people who were surveyed and uh, perhaps they were, they were understating their maturity. Yeah, and the, the fact that, uh, you know, why I say that is, you know, the 9% laggards, so there's not many that are saying, you know, they're not answering the questions in the way that would present themselves as a laggard, but um, perhaps they're, 
they're, they're not taking credit for the good work that they have done over there. And, and I guess back to the early point around, you know, why is New Zealand better than Australia? And I'd sort of put Singapore in that same bucket because you've got, um, you've got very highly competitive environments in, in what is a pretty small market. Um, yeah, you've got pretty similar populations between Singapore and New Zealand. And you've got a, just as many providers as you would in, the, in a country like Australia with almost five, six times their population. So, you know, it, it really doesn't leave room for delivering poor service. And those who don't do it, you know, either don't stay in business or they, you know, they fix the problem. So um, certainly that's my view is, is you, you know, I think one, they're, they're probably understating. And yeah. secondly, the market demands that they deliver a certain level of service. Yeah, I think those might, and, and you know, the, because a lot of those organisations, they've got customers, you know, throughout the region. So, you know, they're kind of, you know, their their infrastructure is going to be quite varied. You know, if you've got customers yeah. in um, Vietnam and, and, you know, you've got regional responsibility and, and, and you've got customers in Vietnam versus, you know, Malaysia versus um, locally based customers in Singapore, they're all very yeah. different countries as well. I mean, I've lived out there and, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, there's a very... Uh, you know, so say so maybe you know because of that, you know, you're more likely to ultimately fall into the followers bracket because it's, it's quite difficult to deliver all that consistently. Yeah, and apologies. Look, I, I spoke a bit about Singapore there. I didn't really no, no. Didn't answer this in context of Southeast Asia, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I think the same applies uh, in all those other markets too. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you, if you look at some of the uh, severely um, COVID-affected countries now, um, when we did this survey, it probably wasn't as bad then either. So. Um, yeah, that data may may represent something a bit different if you did it now. Cool. Yeah. And you know, when we look at the you know the gap, you know, I mean, there are gaps all over the place between leaders and laggards. But you know, as you've highlighted there, you kind of look at you know the you know really kind of issue around um, measurement, um, really having the right KPIs, and you know, ultimately, you know, if you're not tracking it, you can't measure it. Um, so um, that must be you know you know those laggards are really hamstrung without the the right um measurement programs and kpis in place yeah and it's a big gap too steve um you know in in, in this area particularly so um you know it's the old and look, we spoke about this for some of our, our sessions last year if you can't you know you can't measure what you can't manage um Mm. Well, you can't manage what you can't measure, I should say. So, mm. um, yeah, and, and that's that's almost a starting point. Um, obviously, yeah, we spoke about the leadership and having that sponsorship all the way through the organisation. Um, yeah, I think that's the most important part, but very close to that is, is the ability to measure. Thanks for listening to the CX Spotlight. You can watch the rest of this webinar in its entirety at www.fifthquadrant.com.au slash cx-reports.